Well, it's great to have you guys here. We are in a series called Lord of All. Lord of All. And uh, we're in our third week here and we're walking through step by step, what does that mean? We started out on Easter Sunday with a massive understanding of him as king. And what does it mean to come to him? And, and a huge celebration as a number of people accepted Christ as Savior that day. And, and then we moved into a clear understanding of what it looks like to begin to make him Lord. And uh, today, we're going to be walking through a piece called uh, Lord of My Attitudes. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> and uh, yep, just for you today, right? And, and uh, hey, just want to let you know where we're at a little bit on that. And uh, so this past week was a bit of a surprise. Last week I shared with you, please be praying for Jana's family and for her brother Jeff, uh, who's got cancer. And um, so this was a hard week. This was a sudden week, and uh, Jeff passed away on uh, Tuesday. And um, so we ended up as a family kind of rallying together. They called and asked if I would do the funeral down in Knoxville, Tennessee, and if Jana would do some of the music. And so we ran down there on Friday and uh, did the funeral yesterday about 2 o'clock. And the uh, cool part was they had planned for, you know, 100, 150 people. And the place was just packed out. I don't even know. Probably over 300 probably. And just out into the hallway and down the steps. And, and uh, we were able to make much of a person, but also much of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said amen, amen to that. So, hey, in the midst of tough struggles, how do we keep our attitude right where it should be with our Christ. How do we do that? And uh, that's what we're looking at today, all right? So turn with me, if you will, to Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 2. Philippians 4, starting in verse 2. We got the ushers coming forward. They've got Bibles in their hands, and uh, if you need one, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you, all right? Just raise your hand. They'll get a Bible to you as we start out here in Philippians 4, verse 2. And uh, what do we do to go after a healthy, biblical, God-honoring attitude? First step, uh, love others and seek for unity, agreeing in the Lord. Love others and seek for unity, agreeing in the Lord. Okay. Paul starts out here in verse 2. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. He says, I entreat. You know what that word means? Please. That's what it means. Entreat. It's like a strong pleading, a calling forth. It's time for us to get along. It's a longing. It's a languishing. It's a It's a strong desire. I strongly desire that Yodia and Syntyche agree in the Lord. You would be amazed how much your attitude is affected by how well you're getting along with other people. Right? And a big part of our attitude is, Lord, help me in working alongside of those around me. Help me to be wise to what I'm doing with them. And maybe if we're even seeing things go on that need to be addressed, help me be a part of it to agree in the Lord. I just wrote this down, five steps to agreeing in the Lord. Sounds easy, right? Just agree in the Lord, that's all, right? And, uh, and then we spend our lifetime learning how to do it. And uh, agree in the Lord, first step. Align with the truth, the Bible. 
Make sure you understand the Bible and you get after it. Align with the truth, all right? And uh, first and foremost, if we're going to agree with others, we don't drift to whatever they're saying and align with them because we're just trying to get along. You hearing what's happening there? All of a sudden, there is no absolute truth, and it's just about did we get along or not. Everybody say, that's not the point, right? If we're agreeing in the Lord, we're going to start with God's Word, all right? And so that's number one, align with the truth, the Bible. Number two, uh, seek first to understand, then to be understood. How often we get into a situation where we have a point to make, right? But if you saw it the way I saw it, and that let me share with you, and, uh, and all of a sudden we begin in uh, what my wife and I have been talking about this last week, something she's been learning in a class she's been taking, and uh, there are monologues that are running side by side with each other, right? And I have something to say, and then when you're done, the person next to you has something completely other to say, and it's just a bunch of monologues running on, and that's not the point in dialogue, so uh, seek first to understand, listen well, all right? And uh, number three, uh, be willing to be wrong. You know that word? Be willing to be able to say, I'm sorry. I I I'm mistaken here. I'm getting what you're saying, and I missed the point originally, and please forgive me. Right? I'm telling you, if you're making the statement, uh, I can never be wrong, we got issue. Okay? And... Uh, we have to be able to be clear on this. We make mistakes. And I'm willing to be wrong, and I'm willing to make clear on that. And uh, some of you are smiling at each other right now. And I don't know which one of you is wrong, or maybe it's both. Have fun with that afterwards. And that's why I'm still looking at my Bible. All right, here we go. Align with the truth. Seek first to understand. Be willing to be wrong. Number four, willing to forgive. They might come to you and say, please forgive me. And you're like, no, I'm not gonna. You don't know how much you hurt me, man. And, and be careful, that is not at all where God calls us to. And uh, as somebody comes to us and says, will you please forgive me? The answer is an immediate, absolutely, let's get this thing on, willing to forgive. And then number five, be gracious in the gray areas. Be gracious in the gray areas. Look, man, there's a lot of times in Scripture where things are not overtly clear and it's a decision to be made and they're wrestling through things and that's not the way you'd live your life, so you're going to now make them live it your way. And uh, be careful, be gracious in the gray areas. Be able to recognize it as a gray area and then live with some graciousness there, all right? How do we get along? Aligning with the truth, God's word. Seek first to understand. Willing to be wrong. Willing to forgive and be gracious in the gray areas. Okay? That's what it looks like to uh, agree in the Lord. Notice he says right after it now, Yes, I ask you also, true companion. Who is this guy? Who is true companion? And we, we don't know. And some people have taken guesses, and some people have actually written little books on what they think about who it is. And it's not exactly clear here, but I guarantee you this, the person who is true companion knows they were. You know what I'm saying? And this was a call out. This was a shout out to someone. 
and he absolutely knew, or she absolutely knew what was going on. Uh, he says, help these women. Come alongside, man. So Yodia and Syntyche, if you couldn't tell, those are female names, right? And uh, biblical names, so sometimes it's hard for us to tell in that generation which was a girl and which was a boy. You may be having that problem in today's setting as well, right? And uh, hey, in each, in each generation, we come up with really cool ways to reflect on our children and call them out. And uh, Yodia and Syntyche were some cool names. They apparently were cool names, all right? And, uh, and it says, help these women uh, who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. Help these people, partners in the gospel. Man, get along. Are you kidding me? It's not about get along. We were seeing people saved through them. We were seeing people ministered to through them. We were seeing people growing in them. Huge work taking place. Awesome stuff going on. In. And now they can't even talk to each other? Please get alongside them and help out. And uh, challenge question. You got somebody in your life that you're not able to talk with? A family member? friend, a co-worker, somebody sitting down the row from you, and you're like, I don't know. Until they see it my way, there's no way that, please prayerfully consider this. There is no way for us to have a biblical attitude until we lay it down and let God do a work. Get after those five things of agreeing in the Lord and get to them and get some stuff resolved that God might be glorified. And all of God's people said, Amen. and uh, he says, help these women. How, how do we do that? I don't have a problem with someone. It's not that I'm not talking to them, but I know somebody who isn't. And uh, how do I come alongside of them without being offensive? And uh, all right, five more ways. Let's get these written down too. And uh, I'm just going to tell you that the American society is pretty poor at this step, these steps. The five ways to help. You know why? Because we don't want to confront anyone. Just let them be, man. And uh, let them do their thing. And just so you know, that's not biblical. And uh, here's a very clear challenge. Come alongside and help. So it's not controlling. It's not condemning. It's not judging. But it is these things. Here we go. Number one, pray for them. You really can't have a heart for them until you're praying for them. So if you know there's some stuff going on and you're going to come alongside to help, please first be praying and uh, long for them to see a resolution. Number two, ask. Ask about the situation carefully but caringly. Uh, what you think you know, you need to hear more information. So praying first and then just asking, hey man, I noticed... Things seem a little rough, maybe. Am I missing something? You guys okay? And just ask, right? Very gently, very carefully. Uh, not with authority, just with care. Ask. Number three, listen long and well. It may not be what you think. All right? So you're praying for them. You're asking them if it's okay, caringly, gently. And then listen long and well. You may not know the details behind it that you thought you knew. And, uh, well, I know that they are, 
and I've seen that they, and uh, we love to think we're awesome detectives, right? But trust me, there's more going on than you see pretty much always. And uh, so please listen well, listen long, hear what's going on. It may not be what you think. And uh, number four, uh, help them by assisting and seeing all the sides. Assisting and seeing all sides of it. This is not help. Everybody say not. This is not help. Well, I think they're a jerk because they did this and this and this, and you wouldn't believe what they, my reaction. Oh. Well, that is being a jerk. Okay, then. Okay. And that's it. That's all we got. We give them a big old affirmation that where they're standing is fine. And there is no broader look at what's going on. There is no other side of it. And, and uh, that's not help, okay? If you're going to weigh in where you're praying and you're asking and you're getting invested into the problem of something that's going on, please hear me. There is a point where you're probably going to need to have a little challenge even for the one you're listening to. There is. And uh, gently and carefully, but leaning in a little bit. And uh, I don't like leaning in. And uh, join the club. And most people don't. But I'm telling you, that's the way we help, is we help them see the other side. Are you sure you're seeing all of that? And if we were, here's a great question. If we were to have them sitting right here next to us, is this what you'd say? I'm telling you, it's a lot easier for us to unleash our tongue when the person we're talking about isn't in the room. If they were sitting right here, is this what you'd say? Right? Just help them out to try to see the other side. And then number five, share scripture to help guide. And uh, if you don't have the scripture, call an impact group leader, call a friend, call a pastor. Let's get some scripture. Okay, we don't have to know names and all the details of what's going on in the moment, but scripture's important and let's get that to bear. All right? And uh, Paul's starting out on attitudes and he's like, let's just start out with a few battles going on within the church and let's make sure we start getting this thing resolved. It's time to get some things fixed. And uh, sadly, these are people that labored side by side. He even goes on to describe them at the end, whose names are in the book of life. I love that statement. He gets back to eternal, vertical, passionate, purposeful, long-term worship of our Lord and Savior. Their name is written in the book of life. I just wrote this down. A couple other places where we see the book of life. Revelation 13, 8. All who are alive and are not written in the book of life from before the foundation will worship the beast. Names not written in the book of the life are the ones that are running after Satan and trying to make it much about themselves, okay? Names who are written in the book of the life are gonna be running after Christ. Revelation 20, verse 15. If your name is not written in the book of life, then, well, those are the ones that are thrown into the lake of fire. Man, this is a big deal. Everybody say it's a big deal. Name written in the book of life, big deal. It has to do with eternal salvation. Revelation 21, verse 27. Those written in the Lamb's book of life will be made perfect. They will enter into a new heaven and a new earth for eternity with Christ. They will get along. That's the basic of it all. And uh, Lord, may you be glorified as relationships are honored. And when we put 2,500 people together in a place, there's going to be some needing to learn to get along. And uh, who is it and where is it? Let's go after it. 
So let's just use this illustration. We've used it before a number of times. It's been a while, so it's time to bring it back, all right? So everybody do me a favor. Close one eye. Just close one eye. Can you see me? Okay. Now take your thumb and hold it out in front of you at arm's length. Point it at me. Okay? So you can see me. You can see people, right? Now take your thumb and start moving it in really close to your eye. Got it close? What do you see? Your thumb. This is when we're not agreeing with each other. We're rocking around like this, and you have to understand. And, but when we start going like this, we see the problem, but we see the person as well. And we work together on it, okay? Simple question for you. Uh, how are you doing in your relationships? Anybody you need to be talking with or apologizing to? Anybody you need to be forgiving? Anybody you need to be working with that things might get along better? Do you know of anybody else who's got some struggles in relationship and it's time to maybe sit down and begin the praying for and the caring for and the working with them? Man, Jesus Christ Church is modeled by getting along. All right? Let's love one another. Let's hear from one another. And let's work out our differences. And all of God's people said... All right. Point number two in our attitudes. Be reasonable and rejoice regardless of the situation. Uh, be reasonable and rejoice regardless of the situation. He says here, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice and uh, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. All right. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. You believe that? Really? Rejoice? My brother-in-law has passed away. Rejoice. And there's tears. And there's hurt. And there's devastation. Rejoice. Let's be really careful what it says. It does not say, everybody say not. It does not say rejoice in every circumstance. It doesn't say that, does it? What does it say? Rejoice in the Lord. Now, there's something we can always rejoice in. That's the big deal, man. No matter what circumstance, no matter what trial, rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because I am the Lord your God. I change not. That's why. Because he is eternal. Because he is awesome. Because he is love, he is graciousness, he is a glory we cannot understand except that we continue to pour into him and learn from him. We rejoice in the one who is King of kings, Lord of lords, almighty God. Now there's some rejoicing. And I'm telling you, no matter what circumstance you're looking at, our God is greater. We're getting some babies riled. And uh, it is worth understanding over and over again 
that we rejoice in the Lord. And uh, rejoicing, it is a privilege to go after. It means to, uh, to review and thankfully celebrate. To review and thankfully celebrate. If you try to rejoice in the things of this world, they are short-lived and temporal. Your celebrations will keep coming to an end. Are you hearing me? He does not say rejoice in the temporary. Dude, that fades. Rejoice in the eternal. Rejoice in our King. Rejoice in Jesus Christ. Celebrate where your celebration never has to stop. Celebrate in the one who is fixing every problem we know from eternal perspective. Praise be to God. And if you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, He has it in hand, and He's working side by side with you. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Uh, let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. Let your reasonableness be made known. Reasonableness, maybe another word for it, gentleness or humility or your sweetness, your friendliness, your understanding reasonableness. Notice it says, let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. Everyone. It does not say, let your reasonableness be made known to those who are also reasonable. Doesn't say that, right? That's the easy one. Like, I love Bill. When I'm talking with Bill, he's just so easy to get along with. He's so clear in what's happening. And it's just, we just click, man. And I'm going to be reasonable with Bill. Right? That's not what it's saying. It's like every single person, you don't know my family member. Right? And I'm telling you, sometimes it can be tough. And you're having to roll up sleeves on that job a little bit and call God to assist you in that as you go after it and give you some empowerment and, and be careful. Don't make it all about your thumb. Right? Right back to point number one. This is when our reasonableness starts going away from us and we get very unreasonable. Keep it back out at arm's length. And uh, know that God's doing a work even in you. And watch God do some amazing things as you take steps with him. And uh, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. It says the Lord is at hand. And uh, this phrase can mean a couple different things. And so first it can mean he's right here with us. And we know that to be true. He is present with us. He's making an impact with us. The Lord is at hand. And man, lean on him. Trust in him. He will shape you. He will guide you. He will direct you. That's also true. And uh, the Lord is at hand. But it can also mean this. The Lord is at hand. See, Jesus Christ, he spoke. And this world came into existence. And he created it all perfect. In perfection, he created. We, in our sinfulness, drifted it off. We went our own way. We destroyed the thing. And this world became a broken, spiraling world because of you and me and our sin. And uh, our spiraling it out. And God's still watching it over, over it all. Jesus Christ says, hang on. And he steps back in as savior and redeemer, as lamb of God. And he's saying, hear me, I will make all things new. 
as he teaches, as he preaches, as he goes to the cross, as his blood is shed, as his flesh is ripped for you and for me, as he now conquers death and rises from the dead and says, do you see what was done? No more. I am fixing it. And I am calling him home. And this thing that was destroyed will be restored. Will be restored. Guarantee. Hear me now. Now he's at work in our lives. Souls being shaped and souls being changed. And there is a day the Lord is at hand where he will return. And when he comes as King of kings and Lord of lords, and when he comes and says this, it is over, it is finished. The one weapon that he has is the word of his mouth, and that he speaks as he spoke at the beginning to create, so he speaks in the end to put it all in alignment. Praise be to God. Jesus Christ in charge, man. King of kings, the Lord is at hand. Now that we can rejoice in, amen? Amen. Amen. Man, I'm telling you, we can rejoice, we can celebrate, we can thank. The Lord is at hand. He says right after it, do not be anxious about anything. See, when we hear that phrase all by itself, it really sounds kind of cheap shot, doesn't it? Like, you're a little, ah, I'm a little nervous about, don't be anxious about anything, right? And it sounds crazy, but it's in the middle of a sentence. There is a king who is watching over and he is doing something about. He is with you in it. He is with you through it. He is with you to the end and he will be restoring. Don't be anxious about anything. Hearing the difference? And uh, everybody say that's a big deal. Let's not move on without missing it. It's a huge deal. Our hope is not in us. And this big effort we're going to put out, our hope is in Jesus Christ and the work that he does. Anxious, it's this division that's inside the soul. As we think one thing, but we're acting another. As we have this deep belief that's ripping us away from the truths we've heard, and we're now anxious, right? It's a ripping from inside. And uh, we see the problem. And when we're anxious, we feel the need to control it. How do I know if I'm anxious? You're controlling. You're like, then I'm anxious all the time, right? And uh, be careful. I'm serious. Controlling is a sign of anxiousness, leaning in and making it have to go your way. Let's be careful. It says uh, that we should be anxious. We should not be anxious about anything, uh, not one thing. Nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. See, he gives a fix for the anxiousness. It's not be anxious for nothing. Control the world. That doesn't fix it. And uh, it's not be anxious for nothing. Just try to get a control on your feelings and push them down. Take control yourself. And everybody say, that's not it. No, the answer right here is that we would actually trust in our God. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known. Prayer 
thanksgiving. Two parts to that. You're coming in and you're saying, Lord, here's my need. And uh, Lord, here's my cry. Lord, this is what's tearing my soul up right now. I plead with you. And uh, those are awesome prayers. Be real with God about where you're. It's not this. Well, Lord, I'm just going to pretend like I don't need that right now. And I'm not going to go there. And, uh, and if it's gutting your soul, it's something to be talking about with him. That's what supplication is. It's bringing to him the things that have you wrecked. Bring it to him. Right? But then it says, with thanksgiving. See, because we can always bring our problems. We're experts at that. We're willing to tell anybody about our problems, right? And we can talk about our problems with God and tell them all about it. And really what happens is the more we start telling about our problem, what happens with it is we become expert complainers in our prayer. And our prayer has become nothing more than a complaint system. And we're really not interested in God doing a work in me or changing it. It says, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving? Man, you don't know what I'm going through then. I don't see anything to be thankful for in this. And uh, be careful. Because again, this isn't necessarily asking you to tie to circumstances. Thanksgiving. It's the ability to see God's hand at work in your life. It's the ability of seeing where he's at work in you and what he's doing and going towards that thanksgiving, right? And so as you're going on your knees in prayer about uh, something that's going on in your life and you're longing for God to have his way there to say, and here's where I see you at work, God. Or maybe it's this, here's how I see your character. I don't even see that at work right now, God, but I'm sure you are. And so I thank you that you have this world under control and you're willing to hear from me. And I long for you to work in my life. Thank you, God, that you are. One great way to pray Thanksgiving is to go after his character and just appreciate him for his character. Adore him. Uh, Psalm 18, Psalm 139. Man, if you're like, I'm stuck on Thanksgiving, I don't know where to go, get to those Psalms and just start praying them phrase by phrase. Lord, you are my refuge. You are my strength. You are my rock. You are my redeemer. You are my stronghold. You are my salvation. Right? Be praying through and be thanking in the midst. Psalm 18, Psalm 139, those are sweet Thanksgiving prayers that reflect on the character of your God. They'll rock your world. Take some time there with thanksgiving and supplication, all right? It's not faking the problem that you don't have it. It's getting real on it, but it's also getting very thanksgiving-oriented. And uh, Okay. He says, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And the peace of God, we've talked about peace a number of times, it's that calm in the midst of a storm, right? All too often we think of peace as calm without the storm. And there's a peace to that. But real peace is calm in the midst of a storm. Having a deeper grasp of what God's doing. And uh, 
He says, in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Lord, I don't get this. I don't even know what you're doing. I don't understand. I'm just telling you, we were there and we are there now. And as I was preaching yesterday to a room uh, hurting, and uh, the statement was this, our God surpasses all understanding. But please hear me. It's okay to have tears. It's okay to have hurt. It's okay to anguish in this world. And then you hand it to your God in the midst with tears running, with your hands raised and crying out for him as you long for him to work and you're crying out that he do something. But you are so thankful that you know he is a God who does. He is a God who will. He does have this world in hand and one soul at a time he is restoring this universe and we trust in him and we long for him and we lean on him. We cry out with thanksgiving. There is no more powerful prayer in the world. And it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Military term. He sets up guard around your heart and nothing breaks in. God's got you and he will protect you and he will work with you through that struggle as he transforms you one degree at a time as he shows you who he is, and as he walks you closer to the day of his return. And all of God's people said, hope, man. Our attitude depends on our hope. And um, so I'm just going to tell you this. We had quite the experience in the last two and a half days. And uh, we jumped in the car Friday. It was nine-and-a-half-hour drive out, got to Knoxville, and uh, rallied with family, some tears shed. We talked through structure of the service, got some things set, and the next day got together again, and at 2 o'clock, we had the funeral. And like I said, 300-ish people there, and a massive celebration, and, um, and a moment where we must admit the frailty of who we are. Where we must see that this world is broken. Where every false claim we've ever tried to claim of happiness this world can give that will last for eternity is found untrue. And in the midst of the devastation, and in the midst of the tears, in the midst of standing up front and sharing this passage. See, here's the deal, man. Jeff uh, came up with his son, Garrett, a couple years back, and we were preaching the book of Philippians. We were in Philippians 4. And uh, we had just gone through some things surgery-wise or, or uh, sickness-wise, and we were still on the verge of figuring some things out about the brain tumor and what was going on. And, and um, we were preaching Philippians 4 hard and firm. Rejoice and pray with thankfulness and lean on him and 
And Jeff was with us that day, and his request was that that's what be shared at the funeral. And the statement, my God can, my God will, and even when my God doesn't, I will worship him. And uh, that's Philippians 4 that we were preaching, had it lined up to be preaching this weekend since last summer. Does God know what he's doing? And so we preached Philippians 4 yesterday. Rejoice in the Lord. And not in circumstance. This world brings pain. This world brings hurt. And many of you in this room right now are being touched and devastated. And and I get that. But we have a God who is awesome. We have a God who is forever. And we have a God who promises to be near and walk you through. That's our king. And so we walked Philippians 4 with the promises here and got very real with a group of people, including his wife and his college son and his high school son and his junior high daughter who are going to be going through a world of hurt. And please be praying for them. In the midst of our struggle, bear down. Get to your knees as fast as you can. You bring it. Massive supplication and request. Real with your God. This is what's got me, Lord. And here's where I'm at. Thank you. And then you bring whatever thanksgiving has you. You bring it back to him with all you've got. And God will get the glory. Amen? Amen. Simple question for you. So how are you doing rejoicing and praying? Thankfully in the midst of the struggle. Are you giving it to him? Are you trusting him with all you've got? Number three, think and do what reflects the purity of your God. Think and do what reflects the purity of your God. First, it's getting along. Second, it's coming to your Savior passionately and powerfully. And now, think and do what reflects the purity of your God. He starts out here, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Think and practice. Those are the two verbs in here. Think and practice. So let's just break it down. Think about what? Let's just break the words down. He said, whatever is true, that which aligns with God and his word, that's what's true. If it doesn't align with his word, it is not true. Clear enough? Seriously, is that clear enough? Okay, that's a big deal. 
Because I'm telling you, it sounds obvious when you're sitting in church. Try it on Tuesday afternoon at work, right? Let's stay with it all week long, man. It's only true if it aligns with God's word, okay? Honorable, that which is noble and dignified, worth respecting, honorable. Whatever is just, right, in alignment with God's law and character, just. It is right that it happened, that it go down. Pure, uh, holy, clean. So for those writing things down, true, it aligns with God's word, honorable, it's noble, dignified, just. It is right in alignment with God's law, pure, holy, and clean. Lovely, it's attractive to God. Like God looks at it and goes, is that not awesome? Do you see what my child is doing right now? Like those are moments, man, where we're putting our God on display and making much of him. And uh, commendable, well thought of, excellent. It's more than just good. It's unbelievable, right? And worthy of praise. It's a call for encouragement. And think on those things and, uh, and practice those things. Paul even says, follow my example as I've demonstrated before you. Go after these things, okay? And uh, so for those of you who are parents, for those of you who are leaders in your workplace or wherever, you might be looking at this and you're like, well, this is great, and I'd love to think about whatever's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, worthy of praise. But you don't know what my kid's in. And I have to try to help them out. And so now I have to think through a little bit of their stuff. And so I have to get a little critical thinking going. You don't know what my employees are doing. And so I have to think a little bit about and evaluate a little bit about and how do I think on these things and yet still have my discernment intact, right? And for those who are leaders, they're like, amen, right? I mean, there's, it's important. You can run around and only think about good stuff, but I'm telling you, then you're not fixing what's broken, right? And so how do we do this balance thing that he's calling for here of, of full-out positive thinking and yet leading well? And I just wrote this down. So good leadership calls for a couple of things. Uh, review the positives. Do think on these things. Make sure you understand them and you've gone through them and you've evaluated them. Review the positives. Then uh, evaluate honestly what might need to be adjusted. Remember, you're coming alongside gently and caringly. Honestly, evaluate, but don't complain. It's not, you don't know how hard you're making my job when you, it's not that. You're just trying to help them adjust some of where they're at. And so you're very gently evaluating. You address it without wrath. And most parents in the room just went, really? Is that necessary? Address it without wrath. Uh, the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Address it without wrath. And so we're 
bringing down our tone and we're bringing down our temper and, and work on that, man. Join me. And let's work on that. And we're bringing up the honest evaluation of what's going on and then bring it right back to thank you, Lord, for who you are and bring it right back to him. Don't spend long in the cesspool of critical thinking. It'll tear you down. And uh, for all of you who have discernment skills and for all of you who have evaluative skills, uh, trust me, I feel your pain of you could see a critical thing from a mile away and, and you get stuck in evaluating things you shouldn't and be careful. Man, become an expert of being thankful, okay? And uh, think on these things. And so it doesn't mean that you don't come alongside, but it's strictly a, can you imagine if? And let's just take this and see this thing shaped and imagine how God's honored in. Or maybe it's in a workplace setting where the whole God talk should maybe be a little more carefully managed. And you're like, bro, I could see things happening with you and you in this job. If you could get this right, I could be, it would be amazing what you could accomplish. And you're calling them to a very real thing. Think positively. Think through these things. Get after it huge. Your attitude it's depending upon it. Your attitude throughout the week, it starts with how you're getting along. It's based unbelievably upon whether you will rejoice in the Lord. You will pray passionately and bring your thankfulness. And if in the end, you will focus your mind on those things that are awesome about God and what he is doing in this world. And camp most of your time there. It's just an amazing opportunity to think and do on those. Simple question for you. Are you ready for an attitude adjustment? Are you ready for the attitude adjustment? Real answer. If one person didn't say no in here, we didn't get a real answer yet. Right? It's time, man. It's time for us to hand this over to our God and make much of him. No matter what your struggle... It's time. No matter what the devastation, it's time. It is time to put your trust in him and rejoice in the Lord. Psalm 18, Psalm 139. Relish in his grandeur. Spend time with your God. And in the midst of this broken world, know this. It is short-lived. And there is eternity with our king. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Let's go to prayer now and let's celebrate him.